It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. And this is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, so that means this is Thursday. What a great Thursday it is. Wherever you are, I'm glad you can join us to be listening. Also, remember to go and get that Voice America free app on your phone, Voice America Radio Network. Listen to the show wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, Great, as always. Mario, how's it going on your end? Man, it's going great on my end. Did you know what? I recently moved to Kansas City from Denver, Nick, and, you know, I heard stories of the humidity here, and it was like, yeah, when it's hot, it's really hot. When it's cold, it's really cold. So we went from tornadoes and thunderstorms last week to now a heat wave, Nick. So I'm trying to acclimate myself to the weather out here because it's not quite the beautiful weather we get in Colorado. But other than that, we're doing well. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we have on the line uh, a guest, played several years in the NFL, and he knows about heat because he played down in that Miami area. Uh, help me welcome in eight-year NFL vet Jay Featler to the program. Jay, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Nick. Jay, you know what? There's been a lot of things uh, that's been taking place in the news, and, and the more, more importantly, what's happening down in Tallahassee with you know, Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Johnson. And it's always a kind of a trickle-down effect. We, we've seen a lot of behavior issues that take place in, in, in NFL. And, and you have a sports uh, academy uh, and where you help develop not just guys on the field with the fundamentals but off the field. Uh, talk, about, talk to our viewers, our listeners also, how are you able to do that and, and rebuild these kind of young men in this era where we've having a lot of athletes find themselves in a lot of trouble? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, today's uh, society and today, today's society, youth especially, you know, has uh, a little bit of an entitlement uh, problem going on where, uh, you know, uh, and part of it is, is a problem of the adults that, uh, allow it to happen and kind of give uh, kids everything that they want uh, from a young age where they don't understand that, that sometimes there are certain consequences to doing wrong things and certain consequences, you know, to, to, to losing and, and uh, uh, you know, not always uh, finishing first. Um, but, uh, you know, what I've been doing, I run uh, the sports academy at Brookwood Camps now. Uh, it's been a family business for a number of years. Uh, we transitioned from, you know, a, a strict traditional camp, uh, sleepaway camp, into, you know, a hybrid between a sports academy and a traditional camp. And, you know, we bring in hundreds of kids every summer, uh, teach them the best instruction and the, that, that we can offer in a multiple, uh, uh, multiple sports. We bring in great instructors you know, that are pro-level instructors, guys like uh, Scott Bruner from the New York Giants, who's in, in here this week working with our quarterbacks and, and receivers. Uh, yesterday I had uh, a group of guys, uh, Brian Martin, who trains 
hundreds of uh, college and pro- professional football players, getting them ready for the combine and getting them ready for the season. He was up here giving uh, our campers a uh, lesson in speed and agility, and he brought a couple guys that he works with and, and one that I've worked with uh, this past year, uh, Gary Nova, the quarterback from Rutgers, who just graduated, uh, uh, had a, uh, a invite to minicamp with the New York Giants, is looking to sign on somewhere. And we also had Josue uh, Matthias, a six foot six, three hundred thirty pound offensive lineman out of FSU, and uh, who's That's signed with boy. the Titans right now. Yeah, he is. He certainly is a big boy. I didn't realize it until he got up there and. Uh, shook his hand, and I wish I had him on my line uh, when I was playing. Well, we're talking to uh, Jay Fiedler, NFL vet. Uh, Jay, this is one of the things that, that kind of upsets me as a, a former athlete, and you kind of give me your take on this. When you hear individuals talk about some of the aggressive physical mentality that guys have found themselves into, obviously you talk about the Greg Hardy incident and the Ray Rice and also the DeAndre Jordan I mean, Johnson situation down at Florida State, when you hear individuals say, well, these athletes are kind of bred this way to be physical and they can't turn it off, what do you say to individuals who put that kind of negative stigmatism on professional athletes and our collegiate athletes as well? Well, you know, I I think that's the easy answer for, for people. You know, everyone wants to find the reason why things happen and why people do, uh, uh, you know, do bad things or do, uh, uh, you know, perform crimes or, or uh, you know, physical abuse or domestic abuse or anything like that. You know, everyone wants to find a, a reason for it. And the easy answer is to say, well, they, they play a physical sport and, uh, you know, they're going to be physical outside of that sport as well. But, uh, you know, I mean, I've been in locker rooms. I've been in, uh, you know, <laughs> 10, 15 different locker rooms with uh, hundreds of different guys. And, you know, the the people I meet in the locker rooms, the people I, I played with, uh, my teammates, you know, no different than, you know, every other person in society. And you're going to have some, you know, great people there that uh, understand how to, uh, uh, you know, how to fit themselves in to a society and how to do the right things. And then you're going to have a few bad apples in the bunch. Uh, and, you know, that's what you see. But to, to stereotype it and lump it uh, as, as all football players or all athletes, uh, you know, it's, it's the old dumb jock mentality that, uh, you know, was stereotyped from uh, years ago, uh, you know, which you and I know is, is far from the truth. If you're, you know, if you're in an NFL locker room on an NFL team, you better be pretty smart to, to understand the the playbook to understand, uh, you know, everything that goes on on the field. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing in dealing with society and dealing with uh, uh, domestic issues. Well, well, Jay, you know, you and I have a little bit in common. You know, we, we started our careers kind of uh, on, on a slow place, but also both you and I played in NFL Europe. And, and right now there isn't a farming system for the NFL. And Bill Polian, uh, former uh, GM for Indianapolis coach talked about this earlier this week is the fact that the NFL needs a farming system. Now, for a person like you and I who, who had our opportunity to to kind of, you know, cut our teeth in the league, so like NFL Europe, do you think the NFL needs to have another developmental league? And if so, how would that affect maybe the Arena League or the CFL? 
Uh, well, I mean, do, uh, do, do they need it? Uh, the NFL, I think, is doing pretty fine by itself right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, would it would it help those certain players that, uh, you know, that, that, that didn't get the, all the opportunities that maybe, uh, you know, some of the guys with more exposure coming out of college, uh, you know, end up getting? You know, those are the guys that kind of fall through the cracks. Uh, you know, NFL Europe certainly helped me. It kept me sharp. It kept me uh, uh, in the game for, for an, uh, an extra year and allowed me to come back into uh, the NFL, uh, you know, with a skill set that I didn't lose over a period of time. Uh, so, you know, for me, it was a, it was a fantastic experience and, uh, you know, something that, that definitely uh, helped me get back into the NFL and, and continue on to, to a 10-year career. Um, you know, the, the NFL doesn't need it, but there are certain guys that are out there that, uh, you know, can certainly benefit uh, from having a developmental league out there. NFL vet Jay Feeler joins the program here on Voice America. Jay, you know, talk about the quarterback position and the development because it's one thing to be standing on the sideline holding the clipboard, but it's another thing to be in the game seeing live reps. The things are changing. The defenses are moving. You have pass rushes coming off the edge. What was it that helped you in your development from being the guy that was holding the clipboard to a guy that's taking snaps on the center? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, the more times you can get on the field and, and experience live action, the, the the more you can learn from it. Um, you know, you could watch film uh, day and night. You could, uh, you know, stand on the sidelines and, and watch what's going on, uh, you know, every day and, and see it. But, uh, you know, to, to be able to simulate the, the, the live action is, is one of the most difficult things, uh, uh, you know, for a young guy to, to, to do. Uh you know, to kind of feel like you're in the action when you're not actually out there is a tough thing. So, you know, quarterbacks especially, you know, with all the instincts and everything that happens in front of their eyes and and in front of them at such a quick pace, you know, without actually having the experience of seeing it at that at that game speed, it's difficult to catch up once you find you know once you finally get your opportunity. So, uh, you know, in terms of of the developmental leagues, quarterbacks, you know, certainly, uh, you know, benefit the most from it, you know, just because of the live action that, that, that you see and the experience you get of, you know, being able to react to, uh, to, to different blitzes or, or different, uh, you know, disguises and coverage and, and rotations in, in, in the secondary to see it and then, uh, you know, use your feet and your eyes to set yourself up and get to the right receiver uh, on time and in a quick manner, you know that that's something that's uh, that's difficult to do when you're standing on the sideline holding a clipboard or sitting in the film room watching uh, game film. Secondary perspective, we're joined by uh, NFL vet Jay Feeler. Jay, you were able to do something that you know that's really hard to do in the NFL. You took the Miami Dolphins to you know three ten plus win seasons. You won an AFC East title, two playoff appearances. When you look back. At your team, and you look at Ryan Tannehill, who's now the quarterback. What do you think that he needs to do to be a, that type of quarterback to kind of get the Miami Dolphins back where they need to be in the national spotlight? Well, I, th- I think Ryan's been doing a, a, a really good job. You know, he, he came out of college with uh, 
you know, not a whole lot of experience at the quarterback position. Uh, I think he had only played, uh, you know, about 15 or 18 games at quarterback at, uh, um, you know, in, in college. And, you know, he was lucky enough to have his college coordinator come up and, uh, and be, his, be the coordinator with the Dolphins for the first couple of years with uh, uh, Mike Sherman. And, uh, you know, that certainly helped his development going forward. And I think he really took a step forward last year with, uh, you know, when Bill Lazor came in. Uh, they put some pieces around him, and, and he was able to step up and, and have a, a great season. Uh, you know, I look forward to him developing even more and continuing on that path. And, uh, you know, with the second year in this new offensive system, you know, really taking the bull by the reins and, uh, uh, you know, being able to, to uh, push the Dolphins into that playoff spot again, which uh, seems like it's been a long time since they've been there. Uh, you know, the difficult thing now is they happen to be in one of the toughest divisions uh uh, in the NFL, so uh, you know they got a lot of competition, some great defenses uh, throughout the uh, uh, throughout the AFC East, and you know he's going to just have to make sure that he's consistent week in and week out. And I think he's shown some flashes of brilliance at times, and uh, you know at other times, uh, uh, you know, shown a little bit of mediocrity. But uh, you know, if he can consistently you know, play at that high level and uh, and continue to develop and, uh, you know, perform week in and week out at, at his highest level, then, uh, you know, there's no reason why the Dolphins shouldn't be able to make the playoffs this year. Well, Jay, before we let you get out of here, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks quarterback, and where he ranks amongst current quarterback. When you watch Russell Wilson, where would you say and where would you place him amongst the current quarterback, the Breezes, the Peyton Mannings, and the Tom Brady's? Uh, well, I, I don't think he's quite at that level just yet. Uh, you know, but he's a, he's a young guy. He's only got a few years in the league, and you know, over time, uh, you know, it will tell if, if he can consistently do it year in, year out. Uh, but he's certainly, I mean, he, he's one of the top quarterbacks out there. Um, you know, a, a, a next level under those you know names that you mentioned the the Rodgers, the Brady's, the uh, you know the Mannings, uh, which are which are you know the upper echelon of, of quarterbacking in the in the last decade or so. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson certainly has a chance to to become one of those guys, and you know if he continues doing uh, you know playing the way he's been uh over the first three years of his career uh moving forward then you know we're going to be talking about his name you know as one of the upper echelon guys as well and uh you know i just i love the way he plays i love how composed he is how he makes everything look look easy when he's playing uh, yet he plays with a tempo and a speed that uh you know allows that team uh you know to really get, uh, attack and get after the defenses well, I tell you, Jay, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. And for anyone that's out there listening, you can follow Jay on Twitter at Jay Fiedler. And also, if you're interested in building not just a quarterback, but a young athlete in particular, make sure you look up of Jay and that the Sports Academy in Brookwood. Uh, Jay, always a pleasure to have you on, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Nick. And, uh, you know, anyone that's interested, you can check us out on our website, is www.brookwoodcamps.com or on Twitter at Brookwood Camps uh, to see what we're doing at the Sports Academy at Brookwood Camps, not only in football, but also in baseball, basketball, soccer, 
you know, bringing the best of the best to, uh, out here to instruct, you know, our campers throughout the summer. I appreciate you having me on, Nick. Hey, anytime, Jay. And once again, there's the information. I'll put it on, up on Twitter later on after the program so you can go out. If you have any kids in that area, I, I really hey. Go out and put them in this academy. Jay, once again, thank you for joining the program. You got it. My pleasure, Nick. Coming up, uh, we're gonna, we have so, much, so many things to talk about. The ESPYs were last night. No problem. The ESPYs were last night uh, in Los Angeles. We'll catch up and talk about some of the biggest stories coming out of the ESPYs. Also, we'll reflect and go back a little bit and talk about a little bit about DeAndre Jordan. Because I know uh, Mario, he's been steaming to talk about this particular issue. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. We are back. Great stuff from uh, Jay Feeler, and I love what he's doing with that Sports Academy camp and trying to mold and build young men on all sports, all ages, uh, both on and off uh, of the field. Uh, But we're joined by Josh Reising, beat writer for Cover 32, and he covers the Philadelphia Eagles. Josh, thanks for joining the program. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. Josh, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? 
Nick? Yes. Okay, there you are. Uh, no, can you guys uh, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now, Jess. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Okay, Josh. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, big day in free agents, not free agent signing, but big day in signings uh, yesterday at the deadline. And, you know, I guess the most notable of those signings, you have Demaris Thomas and you have Des Bryant. And I know earlier on in the week, there was some collusion conversation about what took place or may have taken place between the Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, do you believe there was some kind of collusion going on between both Dallas and Denver as they were trying to figure out how to sign their two key top receivers? Oh, I absolutely agree. We're, uh, I believe that there was some collusion going on. Uh, we're in an era now where uh, the, run, or the wide receivers right now are kind of like the running backs back in the, in the 90s where it was easy to replace uh, a player at your position and get another one to come in and uh, give you the same productivity for a lesser price. And at this point, um, I, I, I feel like that the, the Cowboys were more inclined to make a deal get done than the Broncos were. But I, I think that really it came down to both teams were trying to see what kind of kind of deal they can get done and not really drive the price up to $16, $17 million a year. And I think that the Broncos were really more worried about trying to see what kind of deal would have got done with the Cowboys because obviously I think that Demarius Thomas, between the two receivers, uh, was probably more replaceable uh, in their offense uh, when it came to the wide receiver position. So I do believe that there was some work done behind the scenes to try and not let that – number go above 14 15 16 million dollars a year but but do do we have any evidence that that there was some communication or collusion between uh, these two NFL organizations you know i don't think there's any evidence evidence i really do believe that it was just a lot of uh, he said she said type uh, situations going on but uh, should it, you know there was a report uh, uh, about a week ago coming out saying that if the, a deal wasn't done uh, between the two receivers going into the uh, uh, deadline, that there might have been some uh, investigations done by the NFLPA to see if there's actually true collusion going on between the Broncos and the Cowboys and the players. And if that would have come down, we might have actually seen if we might have been able to see if there's actual true collusion going on between the two teams. We're joined by beat writer for Cover Thirty Two, Josh Reason. You can find him on Twitter at Josh underscore Reason. Now, when you look at these two wide receivers, you look at the numbers, it's not too far off. I mean, Des, $45 million guaranteed, $20 million to sign, and a five-year, $70 million. And uh, Damaris Thomas, five-year, $70 million with 43.5 guaranteed. You know, here's a problem that I have, and correct me if I'm wrong. Every player is trying to be the highest-paid player at his position, mm-hmm. the highest-paid player in the league are, are we getting ourselves into a point where we could possibly go down a slippery slope because if you look at the upcoming wide receivers who uh, contracts are up or will be in the final year of the contracts you have aj green of the cincinnati Bengals, julio jones atlanta falcons ty hilton of the colts and alshon jeffrey of the chicago bears and the number in the market value has it been set so far is 14 i know both Wide receivers are great and they're talented. They wanted, you know, that that kind of money like Calvin Johnson, but $16 millions per, that, that's not there. Do, do we see these wide receivers that I just named now try to press the envelope, knowing as though both Dez and Damaris 
got around that 14 per year, could they try to push that envelope and try to get maybe 15 or maybe 16? Oh, absolutely. Uh, everybody, every player that comes out and sees the contract is done, they're always going to look to try and top it. Uh, it was pretty evident, obviously, with uh, Demarius Thomas and his uh, apparent claims that he wanted to make uh, Calvin Johnson money or even possibly more. And we know that it's pretty obvious that Calvin Johnson is probably the best or one of the best receivers in the game right now. And his contract was done several years ago. And Demarius Thomas was using his contract at as a benchmark baseline for where he wanted to get his new deal done. And now that he's got his deal in place, you're going to see uh, receivers like A.J. Green wait to see what happens. And if he has a year similar to Demarius Thomas, or if not better, he's going to say, okay, Demarius Thomas got this, and I, uh, if not, performed better than what uh, perf- I performed better than he did on the field. I deserve maybe $15 million a year, $16 million a year or maybe not as much, but uh, in terms of uh, millions over the life of the contract, but maybe more guarantee money into the contract. So I do believe that uh, some of these receivers are going to be coming out uh, in terms of Julio Jones and A.J. Green. They're going to be pushing the envelope and maybe asking more than what Des Bryant and Demary Thomas asked this upcoming or this past offseason. So when you look at the, the deals of both wide receivers and both ball clubs, who, who would you say got the better of the deal? Uh, I would have to say that it, in the short term, Demarius Thomas definitely got the better of the deal. Uh, obviously, he's going to get, um, I believe, he's going to get uh, close to 35, if not, uh, he's going to get $35 million, uh, over the, uh, the first two years, and he's going to get a big chunk of it already this upcoming season. But uh, Des Bryant, over the next two years, is going to actually going to get the $45 million that he's guaranteed. So, uh, in the short term, Demarius Thomas got uh, got more money, but uh, over the uh, life of the contract, uh, Des Bryant definitely got a better uh, deal out of uh, his contract. Now, which team do you think benefits more from re-signing their number one wide receiver? Oh, it's, it's the Cowboys, with, without without question. Uh, the Cowboys, having lost DeMarco, uh, DeMarco Murray this offseason, uh, they really didn't have out much uh, outside that offense outside of uh, Des Bryant. And if they had lost him this offseason, that offense would, would – they wouldn't have anywhere to go. Uh, that offense now is moving more from a pass-happy uh, offense more to uh, a ground and pound. Uh, even though without having uh, DeMarco Murray in the backfield, they're still going to try and run uh, – try and be that uh, type of team – they need a player like Des Bryant on the outside to at least get not not let defenses load up the box. Uh, obviously, uh, Des Bryant is going to command uh, double teams, and he's going to spread that offense, uh, spread the defense out a little bit. So, not having him on the field, uh, if he was not going to be present like he was threatening this upcoming season, that would have really stagnated that offense there in uh, Dallas. So, re-signing him was a huge upgrade for that offense. So should he send a thank you note to DeMarco Murray for going to Philadelphia because then it skyrocketed Dez's value? I mean, not to say that Dez isn't worth that money in the first place, but losing a guy like DeMarco Murray, who was such an integral part of your offense, and like you said, now it's pretty much going to run through Dez. I mean, does he have DeMarco to thank for getting that big of a contract? Or do you think he still gets somewhere in that range, even if Murray was back? Uh, you know, I, I think that he... 
I think Des Bryant had to have seen that coming, that he he knows that he was the focal point of that offense. I mean, even before uh, DeMarco Murray had the breakout season last year with Dallas, DeMar- uh, Des Bryant was still a very vocal, uh, very valuable part of that offense, even the last several years. And he's just been getting any, uh, he's just been getting better every year. And I think that Dallas uh, kind of knew that uh, knew that coming into this uh, offseason. Because if they were so worried about uh, running their offense through Marco Murray, they would have made a concerted effort to resign them. And if you look at the past deals that they uh, let go, they let uh, Demarcus Ware go, they let uh, Demarco Murray go, and they could have used uh, used all the extra money they have right now to resign those guys. And instead, I think that they were maybe planning on trying to save some of that money to try and get a deal done with Des Bryant, and knowing that he was probably going to command top dollar. Yeah. So, last thing, really quick. I know you already said that you think that the Des Bryant re-signing was a little bit more important to the Cowboys than DT with the Broncos. But if we start to look long-term to the point where Peyton Manning is no longer the Broncos quarterback and it's Brock Osweiler or really whoever they decide to go with, I mean, does that maybe increase the value of the DT signing just to help the new quarterback make the transition to the Broncos' new starter? Oh, absolutely. Uh, obviously, uh, a quarterback's best friend is having a healthy running game, but uh, Demarius Thomas, he, he can play all over the field. He can score. You could throw a five-yard uh, five bubble screen to him, and he can turn that uh, into an 80-yard touchdown. He can go across the middle. He can uh, stretch the field. He can literally run just about every route that you ask him to do. And like I said, the fact that he can score in any different way on the field for, the, uh, for a quarterback, that is a big help to any quarterback that comes in. And knowing that, that Osweiler is going to have to hit the ground running and fill the shoes, uh, those are some big shoes to fill for Peyton Manning uh, uh, following, right. uh, you know, it's going to be it, having a player like Demary Thomas is going to be a huge help for Osweiler going into the uh, going going forward. Well, well, you know, Josh, I, I know you talked about something on social media, and you talked to Jay Feeler about a guy who, like myself, played in NFL Europe. But uh, the great Bill Polian was talking about how the game has suffered by not having, I guess, a premier farm league to to pluck great NFL talent out of it. And I know, and Jake talked about this, how playing in NFL Europe, you need live reps and how important it is to development of a young quarterback. Just like Cleveland is seeing Johnny Manziel struggle. You know, if there was a farming system that he could have played in when he was making his transition from Texas A&M, that might have helped him with his maturation process. So for you, do you think that, one, we will see an NFL farm team sometime soon? And two, is it really necessary? I think eventually we will see a farm system for the NFL uh, come down the pipeline, uh, and I think that the NFL would be beneficial uh, uh, in having a farm system uh, as well. A lot, again, a lot of these college teams they play, they play the spread offense, and in the NFL you don't see very much of a true spread offense. You see still a lot more of uh, the three wide outs, and you're kind of seeing a little bit of a transition back to. Uh, uh, an eye formation. You, you see some teams that are bringing back the fullback into their offense. And the thing is, is you don't have a lot of these quarter. For example, quarterbacks. You don't see a lot of them uh, getting under center in college. You, you see them actually standing uh, five yards back and looking back at the uh, the coaches and letting them making the calls uh, and, and audibles and, and uh, line changes at the uh, at the uh, uh, before the uh, snap. And 
you know, you don't have these quarter like for example, again, quarterbacks they're not ready coming into the NFL from college to be able to make the transition from a spread offense and terminology and playing in a true. Uh, pro-style offense, and so I think that having a farm system where some of these quarterbacks may be able to go for a couple years and learn the nuances of the NFL and be able to actually understand how to play a game fundamentally, it would be a great benefit to uh, to the young kids coming into the NFL, and and it actually would uh, make the product look a lot better. You you won't have to see some of these guys, for example, like Brock Osweiler, come into the NFL and sit three, four years and learn the game before they can actually any action, and it, and it hurts an, an, a team knowing that they've got to wait three, four years to see if their product might be actually what they're looking for. We're joined by a beat writer for Cover 32, Josh Reesing on Voice America Sports with Nick Ferguson and Mario Batanzi. You know, uh, of Josh, you know, we talked about, we talked to Jay about this in, in the first segment, and I'll get your, your, your take on it as well. You know, so much is said about the quarterback position and needing an elite quarterback to win multiple games and, more importantly, the coveted Super Bowl uh, title. But when you talk about Breeze, Flacco, uh, Manning, these guys are all won Super Bowls, but they, no one ever talks about the fact of, I guess, the other parts of the team being special teams and also defense. But when people talk about Russell Wilson, they really devalue who he is as a quarterback and saying, well, he's only benefited from that defense in Seattle. And now he's into he's in and uh, in, in buying in the contract negotiations with the Seattle Seahawks. Do you think that there's some truth to what most people are saying about Russell Wilson? Or, you know, we just making a mountain out of a molehill and this guy does nothing but just make plays and Seattle should definitely give him his money. I, I think there is some truth to it. I do think that he does benefit a little bit from having a stellar defense and having a very solid run game to help balance out his uh, his ability as a quarterback up there in Seattle. But uh, I do I do think that he is worth the money, not as much money that he's maybe commanding, maybe being asking to be the the, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But I do think that he's deserving of being a top five paid quarterback in the NFL. He uh, he has shown the ability to lead, uh, lead the Seahawks in the fourth quarter and come down and win games uh, multiple times already. Uh, he has shown the ability on the field to be calm and collected and actually uh, drive his team down and and win games. He, uh, uh, but unfortunately for him though, I think that the style of offense that he's playing in doesn't really allow him to actually show off his full range of skill. Uh, unfortunately, he's playing in a West Coast run-based, uh, run-based offense, whereas, like uh, as you mentioned, Brady, Breeze, Manny Flacco, they're all playing in pass-first offenses, and they're putting up 5,000 yards a season, whereas uh, Wilson is putting up maybe 3,500 3, yards passing. And I think that some uh, GMs are probably looking at that going, that's more replaceable than maybe 5,000 yards from a quarterback. And if we can get at least 3,000 yards from our quarterback and we can have a solid running game and a a great defense, we don't necessarily need a quarterback that's going to – we don't necessarily need to pay a quarterback $25 million a year to do something where we can get a quarterback that's going to cost us $12 million to to do the exact same thing. So I I think that there is some truth to the fact that – the, yes, the GMs probably don't feel like they should pay Wilson that kind of money, but I do think that Wilson has shown enough on the field, though, 
uh, in his short uh, time in the NFL that he is deserving of a top-five contract. Well, yeah, and you have to look at, you know, what other options that they might have. I mean, if they don't re-sign Russell Wilson, it's not like the NFL is overflowing with top quarterbacks. So you get a kid like this who, you know, even though his stats aren't great and he's not the typical quarterback, the fact that he's been able to win in whatever kind of situation, I mean, that's got to be worth something. And, again, you have to compare it to, you know, what else they might have or what other options there are, and it's very few and far between. So I think you pay Russell Wilson whatever he wants. Oh, I absolutely agree. You know, he right now Russell Wilson really has Seattle back into a corner because, as you mentioned, if Russell Wilson hits the free agent market, who's the best quarterback out there? It is Russell Wilson. So, and, and he is essentially the face of the franchise at this point, and they really need to uh, make sure that they lock up their their franchise for the long term, and that would have to be signing Russell Wilson. But I don't know if Seattle's willing to go that far to make it happen. To be honest, they've got their they've got a couple of Super Bowls. I think that they're they may be more willing to try and play, you know uh, go with a run uh, first offense and play great defense and maybe try and go a different way. But I think that if they really want to continue moving forward and being the team that they are right now, they really got to pay Russell Wilson. Josh Reason, beat writer for Cover 32, and he covers the Philadelphia Eagles. 30 seconds before we get out of here, Josh, uh, five teams usually there's always uh, that, this kind of unwritten rule where usually five teams that made the playoffs the previous year don't make it, and we have – a, a in the surges of new five new teams, who, in your opinion, can be those five teams coming into the 2015-16 season? Uh, the five teams that I looked at this uh, for this upcoming season that could possibly make the playoffs that didn't make it last year, I looked at Kansas City, Houston, Minnesota, St. Louis, and the biggest question mark they could be they could really be a boomer bust would be Philadelphia. Wow, Philadelphia. Now, now, why, why Philadelphia? Because when I look within that, that division in the East, they're, they're always in the hunt because Dallas right now, for me, no DeMarco Murray. We still have to see, you know, what Darren McFadden can actually do behind that offensive line. But Chip Kelly, he's made some moves in the offseason to kind of revamp that, that team and retool them. You know, would they be in that number two or number one spot? That's that's a good question. I think that that entire division outside of Washington really has a chance to actually win that division. And the thing is, is with Philadelphia, they've made so many moves this offseason, personnel-wise and player-wise. It's very tough to to say whether the moves they made are going to be actually beneficial or not. But, but Josh, I know everyone's going to be watching. I know Philadelphia fans are some of the most loyal and brutal and most judgmental fans in the sports world. Once again, thank you uh, for joining the program. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, later as the season get underway. Uh, you can find Josh once again on Twitter at Josh underscore rising. Coming up after the break, we'll talk about some very inspirational moments from the ESPYs, and should Pete Rose get inducted into the Hall of Fame? Here we have to say right yeah. on the opposite side of this break.
The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Uh, last night in Los Angeles, uh, every year, the ESPY Awards, a lot of sports and entertainment individuals get together. And it's normally it's a great, fun show, but uh, very inspirational last night. A, a lot of big stories came out of, uh, of the event last night. Twitter was ablaze, but there were some most memorable moments uh, for me, I know everyone's talking about, you know, the Arthur Ashe Award and Caitlyn Jenner receiving that, that award, which, 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 which was great. I think uh, we all should have an opportunity to be who we are and, and have that part of us respected by everyone, whether it's your cup of tea or not. That's just me, and that's my, my secondary perspective on that. But uh, the one that really tapped into me and, and really touched me, and, and there were some great moments, Lauren Hill – uh, the female basketball player who passed of uh, uh, brain cancer, who got an opportunity to finally walk on a hardwood and make a shot. I mean, that's the one thing I love about sports. You can inspire others through your actions and be inspired by the actions uh, of others. But if you have kids, I mean, you know, Lawrence Steele and Devin Steele, everyone knows the story that that kind of moved me. Uh, to tears, listening to him talking about, you know, his daughter, what he had to endure, how the organization rallied around him. But here's a little uh, tidbit if you didn't get a chance to uh, see it last night. 
Don't let everybody know what it's like for an employer to stick behind his employee when we can do nothing for you. To Coach Lewis, to the Brown family, I honestly say I love y'all for allowing me to be a father first and putting football secondary because y'all helped me save my daughter's life. Well, you know what, Mario? I mean, I have kids of my own, and I wouldn't even fathom the idea or the concept of something like that taking place with, with, with my kids. And it, once again, it was a very touching. And, and the one the reason I wanted to play that audio, because he talked about Marvin Lewis. He talked about the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and we're living in, in a world where, you know, we've heard so much about DeAndre Johnson at Florida State, heard so much about, you know, Greg Hardy and, and Ray Rice. But this, there are some great players in the NFL, and, and we don't often get a chance to hear of their stories, but to hear him talking about his coach, how much he loves the team and the organization that allowed him to be a father the first over football, put him on the practice squad so he can still have health insurance and be there for his daughter. I, I love that story, and that was the highlight of the ESPYs last night for me. But I know, Mario, your take was a little different. So let's get a little bit of real talk with Mario Vitanzi. Well, Real talk, here, here's the thing, Nick. Every year with the ESPYs, I mean, it, it's hard to draw people in because in my opinion, Nick, the awards that you get in sports are called championships. I mean, it, it seems like the ESPYs, when they give, oh, best male athlete, best performance, best whatever, it, it, it's kind of hollow, Nick. I mean, no athlete is going to brag about how many ESPYs they've won. They brag about how many World Series championships they've won or how many Super Bowl rings they've won or, you know, actually winning a real game, Nick. I mean, I feel like these actual athletes could not care less about the ESPYs. So I will say this. Every year, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's exactly what we saw again. I completely agree 100% with what you're saying, saying about Devin Still. He's an incredible speaker. It's an incredible story. And I love that he has this platform, and it, it just reminds you that you can't script sports. In sports, it's, a, it's an escape from the reality, and people get a chance to set aside what they're doing and, and escape into these sports. But at the same time, these sports are so real. Everything that goes on, it, it, it's all real life. And so seeing something like this really tugs at your heartstrings. So I love the fact that they led Devin Still go up there and give a speech. It was awesome. Now, the bad of the ESPYs would be nominating a person like Alex Rodriguez, Nick, for the Comeback Player of the Year. Now, hold on a second. Did we completely forget that the reason A-Rod is having to make a comeback is because he missed the entire year last year? But, Nick, why did he miss the entire year last year? Because he cheated. He got caught with performance-enhancing drugs, and he got suspended for a year. Oh, and why was it a year, Nick? Because it wasn't the first time that he had done it. Oh, and he also lied about it. Now he is halfway, literally, Nick, halfway through the MLB season, and he is nominated for Comeback Performance or Player of the Year? You have got to be kidding me. This is an absolute joke. And A-Rod does not deserve any sort of award. Luckily, he didn't win it, or I think this would have been a much bigger deal. And finally, Nick, 
the good, the bad, we have the ugly. I'm going to preface this by saying I have absolutely zero problem with Caitlyn Jenner or the former, the artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner, realizing that inside he was a woman. And I understand that a lot of people go through that. I've known people that have gone through that, Nick. So I will never demean that in any way, shape, or form. But the way that Jenner is approaching it is a shame and honestly is giving transgender people a bad name because now, Nick, there's a report coming out that Caitlyn Jenner demanded an ESPY in order to do her interview with Diane Thor. If you don't believe me, both of those entities are owned by Disney. All of those higher-ups, they're the same people. They all work together. So Caitlyn Jenner, and of course her reps are denying it, but Caitlyn Jenner, the report is, she demanded the ESPY award in return for the, uh, the interview she did with Diane Sawyer. And that was the whole problem I had with this in the first place, Nick. I have no issue with Bruce Jenner now wanting to be Caitlyn Jenner, a man realizing that deep inside he was a woman. That does not bother me. What bothers me is the reason that you do something like this. What is your motive? What are your prerogatives? Well, obviously, it's not coming from a place of support. I mean, Caitlyn wants to stand up there, and she gives this great and passionate speech about, oh, I don't care what you call me or what you say about me, but I want to pave the way for other people. Really? Is that why you demanded the ESPY? I mean, you're already a prima donna? Give me a break. And this was the thing that I had the most problem with. The reason that she did it was for publicity. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because the Kardashians and the Jenners, the little Jenner, uh, whatever Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner's daughter's name is, she's the same exact way. They're all media mongers. So there you go, Nick. There is my good, bad, and ugly of the ESPYs. Well, there it is. There you have it. Mario Batanzi and his real talk on the ESPY Awards. Now, Mario, uh, moving forward, I mean, you talked about Alex Rodriguez, and I'm sure that did uh, enrage a lot of people. But for me, you know, the conversation always goes back to Pete Rose. Whether he should be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame and go to Cooperstown, I said yes. It's been 26 years. You can say he gambled as a player. He gambled as a manager. I know that no one's perfect in this society. No one is without flaws. And to quote the cliche saying, people in glass houses shouldn't cast stones. If I am not mistaken, baseball knew of the performance-enhancing Andro steroid taking era, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, who is now the batting coach for the L.A. Dodgers. How is it that these individuals, you know, are, are, even you can put asterisks by their names or whatever. You talk about these particular players. You, you, you bring A-Rod to the ESPYs and he's nominated for a comeback player to award, knowing as though he was suspended for, hey, performance enhancing drugs. You got you got Braun. I mean, you got you got Cruz. I mean, you got so many people who've done some done things wrong in baseball, but yet and still, 26 years later, we can't get Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, come on, really? Well, to me- here's the issue with that, Nick, and I'm going to give you, like, both sides to it. The whole reason that he's not in the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame is because of gambling, correct? And so yes. technically, according to the bylaws, 
you are not allowed to gamble, and if you get caught gambling on games, whether it's a coach or a player or whatever, you are not allowed into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. I get that, but here's the issue, Nick. They need to change their bylaws. The greatest hitter, literally, Nick, the greatest hitter of all time, no one has ever amassed the amount of hits Pete Rose did, and likely it will never happen. In an era where pitchers are getting better and batters are getting worse, we will never in our lifetimes see anybody come close to touching over 4,000 hits the way that Pete Rose did. And so if we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame, we need to talk about how he produced on the field. The reason that guys like Mark McGuire or Alex Rodriguez, uh, the reason that they're not going to be considered for the Hall of Fame is because they acquired their stats illegally and with help, Nick. That was not the issue with Pete Rose. Now, I'm not condoning what he did. I still think it's deplorable, but it had no effect on his ability as a baseball player. So we need to be adults, move past this, and realize that it's a travesty that the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball history is not in the Hall of Fame. You know what, Mario? I, I, I will concur with that. And I think what it is is it's the idea of if we allow Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, then maybe we have to possibly take on the arguments of, you know, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, you know, all these other individuals. But see, it's, who but use. it's a different argument, Nick. We shouldn't have to take that argument on because all of those guys, while they were fantastic, I mean – Barry Bonds was the best hitter in baseball for almost two decades. But then you look behind the scenes and realize why that was, like why Barry Bonds was so good, why Roger Clemens was so good. And I know that it's a big if, because there's still a good chance they would have been very good without the use of steroids or PEDs. But we'll never know because they didn't allow us the opportunity to see it. So I'm sorry, Nick, but that's where you draw the line. Pete Rose did nothing to hinder his baseball ability. He did nothing to, you know, put him above everybody else. He was just a player. He was on a level playing field, and he was that much better than everybody. Now, I'm not saying that A-Rod and Bob and Clemens weren't better than everybody. Hell, they probably were. But we will never know if they were Hall of Fame caliber guys without help. Well, one thing's for sure. We know Pete Rose, I mean, put up the numbers. That's why they call him. Charlie Hustle. Yet he has some issues off the field. There's some NBA guys, some NFL guys who are in the Hall of Fame who had some very questionable off the field activities, but we're judging them based upon what they did, you know, on the field, on the mound, on the hardwood. So it's left to be seen if that's going to happen. Hopefully he doesn't pass and then they put him in, but I'm still advocating for Pete Rhodes being in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, I'm not dismissing what he did, but that's just my secondary perspective. I would like to thank Josh Reasing for joining the program and Jay Fiedler. It is Thursday, so that means Movie Friday. Go out and see Ant-Man this Friday. Support my guy, Michael Payne. Until next week, we'll see you back here on Voice America Sports. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. again for stopping by be sure to catch nick ferguson's secondary perspective again next thursday at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m in the west on the voice america sports channel we'll share some more great stories next week